This is Don't Mind While We Unwind. It appears we're back. <laughs> Hello. Happy New Year, everyone. All right. So it's been, uh, I don't know, it's been a week or two. We're, we're in the middle to late stages of January. Do you have any New Year's resolutions that you've stayed true to? Um, running a successful business. Ah, that's, a, that's a good one. And it, <laughs> and it, has, been, it has been good. It was slow over the holidays. Yeah, yeah really slow. I, I'm normally slow for the holidays this year, but so far January has been probably the most successful January, which is great news considering, you know, the forecast for the influencer world was looking a little grim as far as brand deals are concerned. So excited that things are picking up and we have a lot of opportunities and yeah, sure. I, mean, I, I went back to the gym once, I guess. Check. You've had I? at least three workouts in the new year. But no, I got I got the same feel, you know, towards the end of 2022 in my business that people weren't picking up the phones. They weren't responding to emails. Everybody kind of checked out for the holidays and there was all the talk of recession. You're like, huh, huffing and puffing. Like, are we going to make it? Same with the, the influencer side brands it seemed like the budgets kind of dried up people were waiting think, to see what was going to happen yeah i think they were playing it like very conservative and holding things close until we kind of like entered the new year and saw where things were going and so far it seems like everyone's kind of like dipping their toes back out and you know putting funds into creating campaigns and such so things have picked up a lot as of you know the second week of january so it was a good week. Sure. No, and good for you, us. You are under new management. You've got a new company yeah. managing you uh, as a, an influencer content creator. So yes. that's very exciting. And, well, you now you brought that up. I I won't dive into it too deep, but to like explain what you mean, I work with a company that will help manage our sponsored deals. So by management, I guess like the closest thing that you could compare it to that people are probably familiar with would be like somewhat of an agent for like a sports agent or a, you know, actor or actress. And essentially I work side and side by side with this manager to just help me negotiate deals with brands. That way it's not, um, you know, I'm not taking everything. It's basically alleviating one of my many hats that I wear. It's absolutely, you know, talent management, you know, talent right. agency, kind of like you said with the athletes. So if you're an athlete or you're an actor, you want to work on your core competency, which if you're an actor, that means acting. If you're an athlete, that means being great at whatever sport Performing. you're in. Sure. So with you being kind of a one woman show, I mean, I'm helping you and we've got help, but basically you're a small business and you're doing all these aspects. So you should be focusing on the creation aspect, you know, the creative piece. But when you're a one person operation, that means you got to do sales and marketing. So it right. is very helpful to have a team behind you to help do this stuff. So I'm excited. It's a really great opportunity and I can't wait to like see what we can do with them this year. So I was reading, I like to, <laughs> as we read in for these episodes and like do our research, I like to look for, you know, fun articles or exciting stuff. So I found one, uh, you know, we talked about Tinder in one of the previous episodes, you know, we made right. our Tinder and it's been a long time. We, we were, you know, 10 years ago, we were on it. I just read that they are introducing a $500 per month subscription model. Which I'm like, I I don't know. I am very unsure where I stand on this. Like that seems aggressive as far as like charging that much in order for you to like meet uh, someone that you want to like spend your life with. But on the same 
on the opposite end of the spectrum, I'm like, I kind of get it. Like you want these people to go in like really motivated and who are really like genuinely ready and not like wanting a booty call, you know, like you want the right people. Anyone that's going to opt in for that option is got to be taking it serious. But that seems aggressive. Like that's a quarter of our mortgage. Like, Are you you willing to pay $6,000 a year for tender? I don't know if that's like your heart's in the right place or if you're desperate at that point, like which, I don't know. Well, well, and it's kind of a head scratcher because if you're, if you're tender, it's one of these things where you don't ever want someone to get off of Tinder. You really don't want to see people succeed, (laughs) you know, because then they're not using your app anymore. They're not paying $500 a month or... or Were there details on what this includes? Like, is this like, hey, we guarantee you'll be set up with like the cream of the crop. We we are so far gone from this. You know, we were there kind of in its infancy. I I also learned as I was reading about this that a company called Match Group owns all of the dating apps up. Tinder, Hinge, that, uh, Bumble, Match.com, eHarmony, they're all owned by the, a single entity. Which that to me was fascinating because there's essentially this monopoly on dating. And, uh, you know, like any platform, there's algorithms in place. And who knows like what the algorithm is that's going into matching people and connecting people. And I don't know. Well, it, I don't know. it sounds like so they, interesting they use a lot of the same algorithm across the various apps. It's just the interface looks a little different. Like, so like if you're super young, they want it to feel like TikTok or Snapchat, you know, just relate to those different groups. So, yeah, I don't know. It seems wild. I wouldn't pay it. But I guess back in the day, you know, back in the day, 20, 30 years ago, you might go to the bar or the club and you might drop hundreds of dollars on drinks true, for a girl, you know, or like take them on a date <laughs> to, to Longhorn, you know, get that fancy okay, Longhorn, filet. Or that might have been Outback, like, I don't know. So let's talk about something that affects parenting that's also been like in the news, this trend with sleepovers and kids and parents and kind of, you know, when we grew up, we, that was like a rite of passage. You turned kind of that like you know, pre-adolescent age where you're like, what? How, how old was it? Yeah. I would say eight to 10 is like really where you started to have like sleepovers with friends that were outside of like your I, core I, family group. I right? think, and I get this from my, my mom. Apparently I had my first sleepover when I was five and I cried all night and begged her to come get That's me. Awful. So you know, yeah. it was, it was a failed experience. I don't know that I got another sleepover for many years after that. I mean, we've tried that before with like really, really close friends whose kids are like our children also. And even then it's difficult. Um, So no, I don't think that's like the normal age. But apparently, I guess you were telling me the trend is like people are what moving away from having sleepovers altogether. What's you know, I mean, people kind of keep everything internal to their house. But if you're going to send your kids over to a house, you want to know all kinds of things. You know, what are their beliefs? What kind of food do they eat? Do you guys have guns in the house? Are there drugs and alcohol in the house? Like, these are things that you got to ask. And some people, it's so uncomfortable to have those conversations, even with your close friends, but with like, an acquaintance that you've met one or two times, sure. you know, you don't want to call them up and be like, Hey, do you have firearms laying, you know, in the living room? <laughs> but you kind of it's have so to ask funny these questions. Because I remember being mortified because my mom would ask 
all the questions, which now obviously looking back, I'm like, heck yeah, I'm gonna ask all those questions. I'm gonna be like all up in your, you know, what's your DNA? What's your blood type? Where am I gonna find you? <laughs> well, you're way more upfront. Like, so you, you will do that. For me, boring. I'd rather just skip the sleepover altogether and not ask these questions. You just avoid the confrontation. I don't, you know, I don't want to ask. I don't want to know. And my kids are gonna sleep at their own house tonight. So was this article essentially getting at that is the general norm or trajectory that they're seeing? It's people are just avoiding sleepovers because of this like uncertainty. Well, it's a tumultuous time. You've got, you know, the political implications, you know, like, oh, how do you guys think about this thing? Which shouldn't involve kids at all. The firearms came up, the drugs and alcohol came up. Those that all valid. Yeah. yeah as as they totally should. And our kids are so young, you know, like that the alcohol is not locked up right now, but I mean, shoot, how, at what age do you need to start? No, but no, I agree with you. And I do think like we're thankfully just a few years still away from that. So we haven't quite had to like deal with that as far as like, you know, anyone that she's asking or our girls are asking to spend the night with or people and families we know very well and are comfortable with. But I mean, we've had these conversations where we're very nervous for when that time and those days come because... I, yeah, I'm going to either want to know these people very well or they're not going to have sleepovers at certain people's sure. homes. Sure. And for us, you know, our, our oldest is in kindergarten at a public school. So she's making new friends and we'll mm -hmm. have parents who we've never met or talked to reach out to us and like, hey, we want to have a play date, which eventually will morph into, hey, we want to have a sleepover. And we don't know these people. We've never spent no. any time with them. So, yeah. so you know, we don't know. Is, is the gist of here, if you guys know, let us know. Yeah, but I mean, I think it was interesting. I mean, it's interesting to keep in mind how, you know, childhood upbringing has changed and will continue to change just with, you know, how our world is. Like, things are going to be different than when we were children. And is this an area that is going to evolve? Definitely something to, like, be aware of and, you know, keep in mind as the girls get to that age for sure. So, all right. Well, give me a softball. That was a, that was a tough one. Well, I, I did want to talk about the cursive thing because I was a little hurt to find out about it. And I okay. think I'm uh, late to this hold news. On, audience here. This is, this is more, more parenting controversy. Okay. So in school, they, you know, a lot of schools have opted out of teaching cursive, how to, how to write in cursive, which I was never great at. I mean, I knew how to do it, but I never actually did it. Well, that's what's funny. I was taught it, but I didn't successfully you didn't learn that you trait. Didn't execute it. You weren't <laughs> writing letters, you no. know, Which, sonnets and cursive. But both my mom and grandma still to this day only write in cursive. I get it. There is so much more that like we need to be teaching in schools, such as like computers, which was like for us was one quick class in middle school. Yeah, maybe a typing class. Like a typing class. Now it's like, yeah, you got to learn a whole computer system. Well, and, and and what is what is cur cursive? What was the purpose? The purpose was to write faster. You know, some people wrote in shorthand. Very With cursive, true. it was how do I write something faster? Well, guess what? <laughs> Typing now is you faster. type it yeah. or you talk to type. You know, there are way faster ways than writing in cursive. So yeah. Now if the power goes out, then I'm completely wrong here. But I would say focus your energy on teaching kids how to type and use a computer in a healthy way as opposed to doing cursive. Oh, and I, I I skipped over the name of the actual article was, uh, this is from The Atlantic, and it was basically like, why don't we teach our kids cursive anymore? It's like, well, we don't teach them how to churn butter anymore. <laughs> you know, we buy our butter from the grocery yeah, store. No, I get it. And like, we're, we're evolving. Like, we all, things are going to be different 
then like I just said, things will be different and I get that. But yes, I felt like it was just this like nostalgic thing that was kind of sad to see go away. But it's not going to hurt me. I personally do not miss cursive. Um, Did you write notes in high school or were you young enough that you had phones? Did you text? Oh, no, we wrote handwritten pencil notes. We would even like fold it in like cool origami shapes and then you'd pass it to your boyfriend in the hallway. And like, I think once we got to high school, we started doing notebooks. So it was like me and my boyfriend had a notebook and it's like I would write on one page in one class and the next, you know, we'd find each other in the hall and switch in the next class he would write one and that that is some promise ring level stuff you had st- I-, <laughs> I never had the notebook we you passed didn't. notes we didn't we didn't have an actual notebook that we passed i don't think you forth. were committed to like any one person in your life until I mean, me I, so I, I had it up until a couple of years ago i had a shoebox full of the high school yeah love but there letters. was a whole bunch of Mm, a bunch of Betty's, Betty's and Becca's box. in there. <laughs> yeah, lots of Betty's, Becca's were all the things. So so what do you think? We don't know. We don't have high schoolers, but these days, are kids writing notes or are they no. texting? No, no they're Snapchatting. Does, or like, does, I'm sure they're like, whatever, be reeling or who knows. So no one writes notes. I don't think so. You don't think so? That's a great question. So the teacher, well, I guess now the teacher takes the phone, but you immediately lock it. You know, back in our day, if you got caught passing a note, watch out, they might read it. (laughs) So like as a teacher, do you take the phone now and you like hold it up for the face recognition and be like, let me see what you were up to? (laughs) I would assume these kids are good enough that they lock it right away and they're not going to give up their, uh, their, uh, their rights to the teacher. That's so, oh gosh, don't envy any teaching professionals in this day and age, that's for sure. God bless you, if you are. All right, well, so speaking about cell phones, this made me think of another topic we found very interesting. Um, So there's the makeup brand Tarte that's based out of New York, and they have been hosting influencers of different levels on various types of press trips. Hold on. So I am, you know, I don't traffic in makeup, but just a little bit of context (laughs) here. Tarte, their makeup brand, they don't have a big storefront. I think they're carried in like Sephora's and Ulta's. But you know, for if there's any guys listening out there, thanks for tuning in. But we're talking about (laughs) makeup now. It's a, you know, a company called Tarte. But this, okay, so to the point that we are bringing them up. This isn't L'Oreal. You know, this is a new age makeup brand and they do almost all of their marketing via influencer marketing. Sure, right. They they spend, they allocate a large portion of their budget towards influencer marketing. I only learned about this in the last couple of days. Lexi was talking about this as we're kind of I was like, you got to look this up. we're, We're reading in for the episode. And I guess they're under fire because things are tough these days, you know, Gas prices are high, food costs are high, and they just did this extravagant trip to Dubai for a few, for a handful of their influencers, mm-hmm. and people are very upset about it. Yeah, which, so we have probably a different take on it because we're familiar with this world, but this is not something new to marketing in general. You know, press trips and, um, you know, I don't even know what they used to call them before, like press trips. But we did stuff like this at Porsche where we would like wine and dine our dealers and this type of, you know, showing love to the people that are a reflection of your brand is not anything new to the business world. I think where people get upset is because they feel like it's tone deaf. But at the same time, like we were talking earlier, you can't just you know, expect because times are hard for everything to like come to this stop and standstill. 
Sure. It's been an awkward time for luxury brands generally. You know, like if you show luxury, they're like, hey, people are out there and they're hungry. Like that is true. I'm not going to sit here and say that that's not true, but that's always been the case. You know, poverty levels now in 2023 are the lowest they've been ever historically. Sure. So yes, eggs are expensive. We eat a lot of eggs here. It's one of our favorite proteins. They're very expensive, but that doesn't mean I'm going to get upset if someone's showing a video of them at some super nice hotel and some Right. Well, and at the end of the day, what I thought was funny is like this has generated so much buzz, positive, negative, everyone saying like either I want to be on this trip that would have been so cool or like shame on them. They're, you know, not feeling what the average person's feeling. But whatever side you sit on, guess who's getting press and guess whose names in everyone's, you know, conversation. Good press, bad press, any press is good press, you know? So we're taught, here we are, we're it's talking working. about them. This campaign has generated some massive numbers of attention and love it or hate it, like they are getting their brand name out there and, you yeah, know, raising their brand the, awareness. Yeah, I think it was like one of the videos that the girls posted in Dubai has two million, two and a half million views on TikTok. That alone to a brand is worth hundreds of thousands of dollars well, in marketing. It's so hard because I feel like people begin to be numb to the numbers. Like you've accused me of this. Like, you know, it's like, oh, one million or two million. Like it seems in the day of social media, like so trivial when you hear these big numbers. But if you look back at like television ads or magazine ads or traditional print media, like the rate at which you're getting eyeballs for your dollar with, through influencer marketing, it's a no-brainer that brands are willing to spend that much money to fly, you know, 20 girls with a combination of probably over 100 million followers, you know, out to this extravagant location for yeah, them to it, what? Just create free content, not free because they've paid to put them up, but for the brand. So, yeah, and, and I'm not going to say that it's niche makeup. You know, a lot of people wear makeup. But if you were to do traditional marketing, you're not going to do it in print. You're not going to do it in the Sunday New York Times. You don't want to do prime time on Jeopardy. You don't want to do Monday Night Football. Like you want to go after people 18 to 35, and they're most likely on TikTok or Instagram. So if that's where your people are, they're going to buy the product. That's where you put your money. So again, I, my outrage is not here for this one. Good for you guys. For the money. <laughs> All right. Well, since we brought up travel... We'll give our listeners the inside scoop before the rest of the world that we are going on a trip to Disneyland in a few days. Oh, yeah. Woohoo. We're working with Disney again. We're super excited that they wanted to work with us again and take us out for a trip. And this will be our, all of ours, Jordan, mine, the girls' first time at Disneyland. And we just can't wait to see what the difference is compared to Disney World and share that with you guys, um, I guess, is some context. They are celebrating this year the 100th year of the Walt Disney Company. And they just picked Disneyland as their park to celebrate that occasion. I don't know this for sure, but I assume Disney World and Disney Cruise Lines, they're going to be celebrating this in some form or fashion. But they're doing a big media launch um, at Disneyland and Southern, Calif Southern California here this coming week. That, that's yeah, I think, I think they're just using that park as the park to celebrate this occasion 
for the year. So if you want to get like the merchandise or they're bringing back like specific rides that are like really old that they've discontinued years ago, or they're doing specific shows and have like exhibits where, you know, it'll be like certain things from collections you know, They've the Walt got, Disney collection you know, a, that are an on a, homage to the animators, yeah, you know, exactly. to the people that made the OG Mickey, the very black and white Mickey, you know, not, right. not your new school Mickey. So no, that's going to be very fun. Um, it's going to be a wild ride for the kids because it's a, we're, we're leaving on a Wednesday. We might get some park time that Wednesday and then full day Thursday return on Friday. And this is going from the East Coast to the West Coast. So the, our kids are going to have their heads spinning. But fortunately, we've got a lot of sugar and a lot of Mickey Mouse and Minnie and Goofy and the gang. To, to pull them through. Yeah. And it's, it'll be, yeah, it's going to be tough for the girls, the time zone difference. Like usually when we're on trips, we like to stick, um, try to stick to our normal schedule as much as possible. So we like to, you know, if we're on the West coast, we might go to bed at what feels like five o'clock, you know, West coast time just to keep them on their normal schedule throughout the trip. Um, but this time there's like events through the evening. So it'll definitely be interesting to see, you know, if we're able to like quickly get their systems adjusted to West Coast time somewhat so that they can hang a little longer and, you know, experience all the cool things. But then, yeah, at it, least we have it, the it, weekend when we come home on the other end. So that's always nice to come home and not have work or school right. the next day. But I would say also on the traveling, you know, our kids are getting older. As if you listen, you have kids, your kids are getting older you kind of gauge their endurance from time to time. Sure. Like when we were traveling with a three and a one-year-old, I think we went to Disney World and and the maximum endurance was like two hours. You know, we could go to the park for like two hours before we needed naps, snacks, avoid meltdown. But now they're six and four. It's a little easier. We might be able to go to for four or five hours. So, right. you know, you just got to kind of gauge it. And We're going the whole day. We're just gonna, we're going to... We're taking the stroller. Addie's at the point where like... We can just be like, close your eyes, like rest, chill, you know, have your downtime, but you can't turn down a fun press trip, right? No, <laughs> like, no. The, fo the folks at Disney are great. They, they handle all the logistics. So very fun to work with them. Uh, super appreciative of that. Um, so other travel trends, this was something that I have thrown out to Jordan. I don't think our girls are quite old enough yet, but Antarctica is the hot spot. Like everyone, see, and you're rolling, Jordan's it's rolling his so eyes. It's so funny that you're into this because I, you hate the cold. You don't even anyone. know if I hate the cold. You hate the cold. When was the last time we were anywhere cold? It's 55 degrees outside today and you haven't, you haven't gone outside in days because okay. it's 55 degrees. Okay. I have a rebuttal to that. Georgia cold is just sucky and gray and miserable. Okay. There's no snow to like look cute in. I don't get to put on like nice, cute, like winter moon boots and attire because then I go outside and I start sweating. It's not the fun cold. There is a difference between just like enjoying like cold eh, and like enjoying fun cold with snow and igloos and Eskimos. As Wait, Eskimos, long, that's not. <laughs> as long as I've known her, she's had this infatuation with the Northern Lights. She's like, I want to go. I want to be in an igloo. I want to see the Northern I Lights. I wanted to be and proposed her, to. You don't. <laughs> I promise you, you don't. Let's watch a documentary in HD. It's going to be great. It's not going to do it for me, and I'll be damned. But I'm going to see the Northern Lights. Yeah, so, so we have some we have some friends who you know they're travel creators, and they're they're doing these North Pole cruises, and people are talking about it. We'll Antarctica give them a cruises. shout out. The traveling lights. They have yeah. some epic 
they destinations. Go every, they go everywhere. And the only place left on planet Earth is Antarctica and the North Pole are <laughs> literally the go. only places they haven't gone. <laughs> well, it was funny. So Jordan was, like he said, reading up for this episode. And he's like, all right, let's talk about the Great White South. And I looked at him like, absolutely not. I don't know where this not is going. Not that kind of podcast. And I was like, we're not touching it. And then he's like, Antarctica. And I was like, oh, yeah, let's talk about that. I want to go. But so, okay, there's all these cruise lines, like there's National Geographic, there's Disney Adventures, which is like a separate subsidiary of like the Disney company that does like very structured destination trips that like are guided tours through these places like Egypt or Bulgaria or Antarctica. And you can do these like curated experiences. So I want to do something like that. Unfortunately, though, most of those require the minimum age for kids to be eight. So I am there's a couple that'll go younger. But I do think like that would be a better age than like Addie. She's not ready to like hop off like That's what do you call cold. the little boats and like <laughs> you're gonna yeah oh what do they call the boats i'll come back to that one yeah there's, there's a name and i know it it's gonna drive me nuts it's gonna come back to me but right. one thing that was super interesting that i saw and this was not for antarctica this was for the north pole and the northern lights another cruise line and they have a they have a thing where they will guarantee that you'll see the northern lights and if you don't they'll pay for your next cruise so that is the one i'm trying to get Jordan to book for us or let's do it. Because that's always been my knock about going to, you know, Finland or Norway or something like, hey, we're going to travel halfway across the world through the snow and there's no guarantee that you're going to see what you're going to see. Which is a valid point. And I totally get that and respect that. Um, So that's why we need to jump on this opportunity, it sounds like, so we can share it with our followers. (laughs) So if you're listening out there, I believe it was like Humburger. (laughs) It was a German company. No, no, don't listen to him because I'm sure he just butchered that. We'll look it up and we'll figure out the name. Anyone who's giving Northern Lights or Southern Lights cruises, reach out to us in the DMs. (laughs) We'd be happy to go. Just got to buy an extra parka. Oh, man. All right. We'll leave it on the South Pole for this episode. But stay tuned. Part number who knows what well, this was three <laughs> was so it? hopefully okay. a four you know we'll, we'll stumble into four i would <laughs> think so all right y'all stay tuned